how do you do? Who saw any of that coming? The college football guy deciding they wanted to just open it up and let chaos rain down over the college football world. Four upsets in the top ten. I suppose Friday the 13th, the day before, was an omen. Just ask Clemson and Washington State. Crazy week of college football. You're listening to Pat's Interference. This is going to be a bit of a different kind of episode, and we'll get to that in a minute. But what you need to know now is that we got you covered. We're going to break down everything you need to know this week. The upsets, this week's game, certain scenarios that deserve our attention, Heisman talk. It's going to be a good one. This is the first time we're completely opening the floodgates on college football talk. No bars held back. It's time. We're getting into the meat of the season, the best time of the year, if you ask this guy. Pat's Interference coming to you right in a moment. Don't go away. What is good, everybody? You're listening to the 17th episode of Pat's Interference. This is our national episode. If you want to hear the Alabama episode, we recorded that one earlier in the week. That one is already up all over the place. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud. Uh, We talked about the Tennessee game and then the Arkansas game that we played last weekend. But, of course, this is the national episode that we've been really, really looking forward to. But i got to come right out of the bat and say that this will be a bit of a different episode, a little bit different. Uh, Patrick Norwood and I, obviously my other host, I'm Patrick Brickman. Uh, Patrick Norwood is on his way to Tuscaloosa, actually, bright and early in the morning. Actually, by the time you listen to this, he'll already be driving. He's getting about about 4 a.m. to head there. He's going to go watch the Tennessee game. So um, we've got a couple weeks without a national episode. We did know that last week was too consequential with all the upsets to not do one. So what he did is he sent me a bunch of quality stuff. He sent me about 20 minutes of, of him breaking things down, and then he just kind of left it to me to kind of listen to what he said, take some good stuff, mix it with what I have, and we're going to get you a really quality episode. You won't have the same maybe witty banter that you've come to know and love on our show, but I think uh, I think you'll still get everything you need at least to get you ready for the next week of college football. So the only way to start this week's national episode is to talk about what went down last weekend. Obviously, we had a Friday the 13th on Friday, and that was just a bad omen for a lot of really good teams across college football. Four upsets. Four upsets in the top ten. All right, and some of them came way out of nowhere. There were no ranked matchups, which is how you know that there's going to be a bunch of upsets. Um, Patrick Norwood is about to talk about three of these. And he's going to go about eight minutes or so. He gave a really, really quality breakdown of three of the upsets. But since him and I are such good friends, he was so nice to leave me the Auburn-LSU game. I got to watch almost every snap of that game. Really fun game to watch, and he knows how bad I wanted to do this game. So uh, I'm about to uh, let him, I'm about to insert him here. Eight minutes or so, you're about to hear him talking about those three upsets. And then I'll come back, I'll give a little bit of my thoughts, and I'll get right into that Auburn-LSU game. First off, Clemson loses to Syracuse 27-24. A close game. This is the second year in a row that Syracuse has taken down a big program uh, in the Carrier Dome. If you're in the ACC, you've got what looks like a pretty good season going. Don't go to the Carrier Dome. Don't do it. Don't don't offer to play. Don't play in a weird time of day. Don't play on a different day completely. I mean, that's just it's it's not a good idea. They've proven it two years in a row now. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Syracuse is a serious contender, 
uh, for anything in the near future. But I do think it's interesting that they are sort of making these leaps and bounds uh, in the past two years. Last year they had the victory over Virginia Tech. Now they've got the vineyard victory excuse me, over Clemson. Uh, you know, Kelly Bryant getting knocked out um, obviously played a huge role in this game. I'm not sure Clemson loses this game if they can keep Kevin – excuse me. Kelly Bryant in the game. It's hard to do this by yourself. I, I miss Brick. It's tough. He, he gives me a break. But, you know, too many words get in my mouth and my brain moves too quickly. But anyway, Kelly Bryant gets hurt, gets a concussion, leaves the game. From that moment on, you know it's bad for Clemson. Because, okay, you're going from Deshaun Watson to Kelly Bryant. Not a great start. Kelly Bryant's a good quarterback. It's just it's it's hard to replace Deshaun Watson. All right, so you've got a brand-new quarterback for the season he gets injured all right well who's behind him you know and it just kind of snowballed I think I think as soon as that happened uh you know the the writing was sort of on the wall for Clemson um and you know do I think this sets Clemson back a ton not really you know Clemson still pretty much controls their own destiny think about it how much of a riot would there be if a one loss defending national champion Clemson team was kept out of the playoffs you can't do it. There's there's no way you could leave them off. I couldn't leave them off, um, you know, unless they get played close by the Citadel or something or, you know, they drop another one. If they drop another one, they're done. I, I think two losses is too many in this, in this sort of playoff era um, to sort of make an excuse for the playoffs. Um, so you've already got your one loss. You can't lose another one. Really, their only challenge is uh, the rest of the season. I don't think South Carolina is that good enough to compete with Clemson. I don't think Florida State is either. Uh, I think their big games are going to be NC State, which is at NC State, and then the ACC Championship game, where it's looking like they're either going to play Miami or Virginia Tech. Now, that's a Virginia Tech team they've already beaten. But as Alabama fans know, and as many fans know across the country, the team you were at the middle of the season is not the team you're going to be at the end of the season. So then really it becomes a conversation of, okay, has Clemson gotten better? Did they peak too early? Have they gotten worse? Uh, you know, and same thing for Virginia Tech and Miami. Miami's still undefeated, you know. I'm not really bought in on Miami yet. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, however, you know, is Miami getting better? Is Virginia Tech going to get better? Is Virginia Tech going to get worse? Is Miami going to get worse? You know, it's just there's a lot of puzzle pieces there, and we won't know till the last couple weeks of the season what it's going to look like for Clemson. Now, that NC State game, I said it was interesting. NC State did lose to that South Carolina team. And you got to keep that in mind. But I like I like the Wolfpack and Raleigh. They've looked good. They've looked good this season. Uh, I think that's kind of Clemson's last hurdle. But if Clemson just plays their best football, they win out, they're going to be in the playoffs. No doubt about it. Uh, they've got the best pass rush in college football right now. And, uh, you know, they've got a firepowered offense. Just a, a surefire offense that, uh, you know, lost a key player and they ended up losing the game because of it. So let's move on. Let's go to, uh, we've got Washington State losing to Cal and just getting drummed. I mean, just getting drummed. Um, Cal had a crazy uh, play. Their quarterback had a front flip touchdown. If you haven't seen it yet, you need uh, to go look out up. Uh, it, it, it was an, a fantastic play. Um, quarterback really just kind of looked like he was trying to dive for the end zone um, and kind of tucked his neck, and then the next thing you knew, he was on his feet, and he had been uh, head over heels, quite literally. Um, that being said, 
you know, I don't think I don't think Cal is anything that's going to pose a threat to anyone the rest of the season. They play Washington, who get upset, uh, and we'll talk about in a minute this week. But I don't I don't see them doing the same thing to Washington they did to Washington State. Um, Washington State was a team that was fun to watch. You know, I'm just not sure Mike Leach is really a coach who can get there. And I'm interested to hear what Brick thinks about that too. Is Mike Leach a guy that can get you into the playoffs? You know, it's it's fun to talk about his antics and and talk about all these different things he tries to do. Uh, you know, with his teams and the things he says in press conferences, he's just a funny guy. But is he that guy that gets you that next level? I don't think he is. I think he's that guy that you know. Listen, he sort of gets you to that tier two, right? He gets you to the step before you become a playoff team. You know, kind of carries you over. Uh, and I think Washington State's got a great sort of you know they've got great building blocks now. Um, they had a great season up until that point. And they're still having a great season. If they went out, you know, they probably won't make the playoff. Uh, I, I don't see a one-loss Washington State getting in over some of these teams that are up there right now. But, you know, crazier things have happened. And a one-loss Pac-12 team is a big deal. It's hard to go undefeated in college football. It's really hard. Ask Clemson last year. Ask Alabama the past, what, four years now? It's tough. It's really tough. So, you know, I, I think, like I said, this is a great building block for Washington State so far. I'm not sure Mike Leach is the guy who's going to get it done. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Um, you know, you got to ask the question, too, was Washington State a serious contender in the first place? Yeah, Like I said, they were fun to watch. Yeah. But USC turned out to not be that great, and that was Washington State's big win. You know, and we'll we'll see more about USC this weekend when they play Notre Dame, and that game's actually uh, going to be more telling of Notre Dame, I think, than USC. Um, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Washington loses to ASU. Um, you know, thirteen to seven, not a high scoring game, but uh, you know, Washington kind of was quietly an undefeated team. Honestly, there there wasn't a lot of hype, not a lot of buzz around Washington. Now I kind of see why. I was unimpressed with their play. Um, I caught the tail end of this game and then caught the highlights afterwards, but I, I just didn't see that same Washington team from last year. I know they lost a lot of weapons on offense. They lost a lot of uh, pass rushers on the defensive side of the ball as well. Um, you know, and I, I think Washington State and Washington are about to have a great rivalry. If they can both rattle off a couple good recruiting classes and, uh, you know, sort of build off this foundation that they've got right now, um, you know, I, I don't see why they couldn't sort of renew that rivalry on a bigger scale to the college football world. I know it's a big uh, big game between those two for those two schools, but it's not like the Iron Bowl, you know. It's not like Florida State and Miami was in the 90s and 80s, um, you know, and I think it would be fun to see that. It would be fun to see a Pac-12 rivalry kind of be renewed that's not USC or UCLA, you know, and that game's not really decided anything. Uh, as of late. So what does all this mean? Where do we sit now? If you're Washington, you're Washington state, you got to be kind of bummed out. I, I don't see a one loss Washington or Washington state getting in the playoff. If you're a one loss Clemson team, you'll get in. Uh, Cause you're the defending national champions champions. And quite frankly, you deserve to, um, you know, I, I, that's sort of my take on it. Um, now crazier things have happened in college football. Clemson could lose to South Carolina uh, Clemson could lose to NC State. They're not going to lose to the Citadel. If they lose to the Citadel, it will be just the biggest 
the absolute biggest upset in college football history. Uh, so they're not going to lose that game. So, you know, but if they lose a couple, yeah, these Pac-12 teams might sneak in. But it just sort of depends. Um, putting a bow on last week, it was crazy. I love weeks like that in college football. I really do. I was really nervous for Alabama going into that game versus Arkansas. I said, oh, Lord, not us too. And luckily, that did not happen, as we all know now. Yeah, obviously really crazy there. Three upsets go down, a big shakeup in the top ten, and we got you know kind of a weird uh, way going forward with the teams that are left, the teams that control their destiny. Um, there's still a lot of vagueness as to who could be in the playoff. But uh, I did say that I would talk about the fourth top ten upset, and it's one that, um, frankly, I didn't quite see coming. But it was a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Number 10, Auburn going to LSU to play Ed Orgeron and the very much struggling LSU Tigers, right? This is in Death Valley, 2.30 kickoff, SEC game of the week. Now, Auburn jumps out to a great lead in this one. Great lead in this one. Um, they, I think they went up 17 nothing. They were passing the ball. They were running it right through LSU's gut. They go up 17 nothing. LSU gets a little bit closer to halftime. Uh, the second half was... All Tigers, and I mean LSU Tigers when I say that. All Bayou Bengals, if you will. Um, they didn't really still particularly play well on offense, and Auburn's defense still looked quite good in that second half. It's just that Auburn's offense couldn't get off the field. LSU made some weird key plays. Um, they stopped Auburn on a bunch of uh, third downs. They get a punt return touchdown to cut it to two, and then they hit two late field goals within the last four or five minutes or so to pull ahead ultimately. Uh, where they ended up winning that game and then stopping Auburn, I believe, on a fourth down uh, on their last possession. Now, what I take away from this game, because I imagine everybody kind of knows how this went down at this point, it was great that LSU won that game um, for them, you know. And obviously, as Alabama fans, uh, always hard to watch Auburn LSU, but I think most Alabama fans would lean Auburn. But I'm not even going to go from it from a Bama fan standpoint. I'm just going to go from it from somebody that watched it impartially as much as I could at the time because I was at work. Gus Malzahn cannot make second-half adjustments. He came out with the perfect game plan, right? He came out with the perfect game plan. He jumped up 17 nothing and had LSU's crowd out of it. LSU made some adjustments. And then halftime came. You had the 20 minutes where both teams should be making adjustments. Orgeron made what he needed to do. He did what he needed to do to get himself in some scoring opportunities, at least field goal opportunities, and uh, Auburn did nothing. They didn't do anything to change what they were doing throughout the game, and here's what I mean by that. They went, I think, 19 consecutive first downs running the ball, and running the ball up the middle of that. on Johnson was great in the first half, but by the second half, LSU knew it was coming on first down because it wasn't one, two, three, four, five times in a row. It was 19 times in a row. They ran it right up the middle, most of them for either a yard or a couple yards lost. That's bad. And Trust me, me and Norwood sit on this podcast all the time asking why Alabama doesn't run on first down. But I think even he would draw the line at 19 times in a row. I think even he, Norwood, who has run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, would say that's, that's a little much. right? That's a little bit too transparent. That's a little bit too predictable. Uh, pretty bad. Pretty bad from Auburn. Gus Malzahn is what's holding this team back. The defense is so good. The defense is great. I think it's perhaps the second best defense in the conference in the SEC, and I think they're a top 10 defense in the country if they had an offense that would support them. 
Auburn played one half of offense, and then they didn't score again. They didn't score again the entire game. That's bad. LSU made some great plays. They played with a lot of heart. This is a big win for their team, but this is a bigger loss for Auburn because Auburn, as much as we didn't want to admit it, maybe we didn't even talk about it, they had themselves in position to control their own destiny until this past weekend. Um, if they win out, obviously that means they upset a great Georgia team and a great Alabama team, and they get in with one loss. That's a playoff team. Now they got the two losses. They find themselves uh, needing to be all kinds of help. They need all kinds of help to be the first two-loss team in the playoff. They're not completely out of it, um, but their chances went way, 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 way down. Way down. So as an Auburn fan, that's got to be annoying. I agree with almost everything uh, Patrick said uh, with the other upsets. Uh, I think Clemson is still very much alive in this, and I, I would even go so far as to say that they're still a team that controls their destiny. Washington and the rest of the Pac-12, so Washington State as well. Pac-12 is the conference that's, that's really hurting right now. A lot of their... Um, a lot of their wins are looking less impressive. A lot of the teams with the eye test are looking less impressive. And, and they're the conference that looks, as of today, like they might get left out of the playoff. But again, there's a lot that could, still needs to shake out here. So, with that said, uh, we've done our upsets of last week. Um, there were a lot of other games, but those were the main ones that we really need to talk about. As soon as Norwood and I kind of get back together, of course he still has to uh, you know, beat me over the head over my Oklahoma pick while it's still looking bad because LSU looks like they're doing a little bit better now and some other little nitpicky things that we normally talk about. But um, there's our upsets. Now what we're going to do is we got to talk, to this point, playoff. Playoff picture. That's starting to get muddied up. It's probably getting muddied up more than it's clearing up, which is weird for this time of the year, but that's college football. So uh, for a couple minutes here, Patrick's going to go over what his four is. I, I believe he went to it as of he, what he thinks are the best four teams today. I'll probably go at it from a little bit of a different angle, but uh, here's what he has to say. So what's my four? What's my four? Brick and I try and do this every couple of weeks. Right now I've got Bama 1, uh, Penn State 2, Georgia 3, and Wisconsin 4. I like this Wisconsin team at 4. You know, a lot of people would probably say I've got them a little bit too high. They may put TCU up there. They may put Miami up there. TCU and Miami are teams I've not bought in on yet. I just, I'm not, I, I don't know why. There's something about, uh, with Miami, you know, they've scored on the last, I think the last possession or the last couple of possessions uh, to sort of seal the game in their last two games. And I'm just not really bought in on Miami. I, I don't think that they could, they would really stand toe-to-toe against Clemson and win. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see that happening. I'm not even sure they're going to beat Virginia Tech uh, and win their division. I think it could easily be the Hokies and the Tigers and the ACC Championship again this year. Um, So I'm not big on Miami. TCU is playing in a very weird sort of Big 12 conference, and we really won't know how TCU is until they play Oklahoma. And that's where I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, Oklahoma's kind of fallen off the deep end, I think. Um, they, they need to get it together. They almost lost to a mediocre Texas team at best. Uh, you know, a Texas team that's played their hearts out in their big games this season, but just haven't pulled it out at the end. And, uh, you know, I, I think Oklahoma really needs to get it together. It's, it's going to be bad if they, if they play the way they get, did against Texas, against TCU, uh, TCU will run all over them. Um, I don't anticipate that happening, but again, like I said, I'm not sure I'm bought into TCU yet. I'll buy in more uh, when they play Oklahoma, and we'll see uh, from there. 
All right, so you heard his four. Yeah, man, you put uh, you put Wisconsin there pretty high, but they're fifth in the AP poll, so I'm not going to really say you're completely dumb for doing that. I mean, you moved them up one spot past TCU. I'm going to go from it as who I think is going to make the playoff at the end of the season. That's the only way I know how to talk about this. So I mentioned teams that control their own destiny. If I look at it, I still think the top ten teams in the country – and maybe a couple more past the top ten control their own destiny. So that would be Alabama, Penn State, Georgia, TCU, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Clemson, Miami, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. From what kind of games would need to shake out in there, I think any of those teams, if they went out, are in the playoff. Because at 11, you get to USC and Washington. I think Pac-12 is a conference that needs help. I said that a little bit earlier. Um, Virginia Tech at 14, if they win out, that's going to be tough. That means they would have to probably re-beat Clemson. That might be enough to put them in, depending on how Clemson does. Uh, NC State's another team in that uh, region. In their Michigan State, they have the one loss. If they win out, then maybe Michigan's got the one loss. But I think the top ten is about what we can really look at as far as an early, kind of not early, but mid-season playoff picture. So at the end of the year, I'm going to have to forecast. And I haven't even put a ton of thought in this before I do it, so just going from my gut Alabama I think they go in probably unbeaten unless they drop a game I still think they enter the playoff as the one seed no matter what happens from here on out Um, from the Big Ten I'm looking at Penn State, Wisconsin and Ohio State and you know what I think this Penn State team is playing with a different kind of moxie than Ohio State is they're playing like a team that hasn't been there uh, more so than Ohio State is a team and it that's going to be a big game, Penn State, Ohio State. I'm going to go Penn State there. Um, obviously, Georgia and Alabama need to play. We're, that's going to be our next topic here in a minute, that kind of relationship in the SEC East and West. Uh, but I think if Georgia has to play Alabama, I'm going to have to put them out. The Big 12, this one's tough. you got TCU, you got got Oklahoma State, and you got Oklahoma. A lot of those teams still need to play each other. Oklahoma still has to play Oklahoma State and TCU. Um, I'm actually, you know, I picked Oklahoma perhaps as a friend. I think that I might have put them in my playoff beginning of the season. I really like them, especially uh, early, and Nord and I have argued about that end-to-end. But I'm leaving them out. I think their defense is uh, so much more trash than what they were in the Ohio State game. I think they rose to that occasion. I think that's a game they had circled. And from there, now their flaws have been exposed. They covered them up as long as they could. Iowa State really kicked the door open on that, and their defense has just really, really been struggling. So I look at these three teams, and I got to just go, which team has the best defense? And I got to go TCU for the way they played against Oklahoma State. I never thought I'd say it. Norwood is about to tell us how he's not really sold on, or actually how he already told us he's not really sold on TCU. I'm not either, but there have been teams that have made the playoffs before that I don't think I've been sold on. TCU's got the best defense out of those three teams, in my opinion. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and put them in the playoff as well. I don't know if they'll be undefeated, but I think they'll be one of the teams in from that conference. From there, you're arguing ACC or Pac-12. I'm going ACC, I'm putting Clemson in. So if i got to put them in order, I think by the end of the season it'll be Alabama, Penn State, Clemson, TCU. Those are my four as of today. So... I mentioned that our next topic was the Alabama-Georgia debate. And by that we mean, this is a question that we've been asking ourselves and asking friends all week long. 
Say you get to the end of the season and you've got an undefeated Alabama, who's probably going to be one, and an undefeated Georgia, who by that point could very well be number two, at least number three, playing in the SEC championship game. Both undefeated, and this is the only way this argument works, or the only way that this point we're going to ask works, both undefeated, and that game ends up being close. So one of the team's loss is going to be a close loss to a top three team and a neutral site. How do you leave both of those teams out? Which is a great question. How do you leave them out? I don't know the answer to that. I look at it and I go, the rhetoric of the college football playoff is to put the four best teams in. And that's what I think it should be. But I think at the end of the day, with money and interest involved from a standpoint of the rest of the country, I think the whole playoff was made to prevent another Alabama-LSU national championship game that nobody watches from happening. Right? Nobody watched that national championship because it was, not nobody, but it was one of the least watched championship games in football history. Um, and I think it's all set up for that. I think there's going to be money involved. I think there's just going to be kind of a precedence involved in that as well. Where, yes, I think they say they try to get the top five teams in, but I think at the end of the day they're going to try to keep putting in the best four teams from the best four conferences. So... I think they should be in. I don't think they will be in. But here's Norwood's take on it. He's got a similar take, but I think he is going the put Georgia in route, uh, as you heard from his top four. Here's what he had to say. If that game is close, you've got to put them both in, right? I mean, you've got to. How do you not? I I just, you know, if if Alabama is truly the clear number one, like everybody says they are, and Georgia loses to Alabama by three, you've got to put Georgia in then. Because that means they're either the second or third best team in the country, uh, in my opinion. Now, we've talked about it before. A lot of crazy things can happen. But I just, I'm not sure that it's fair to leave that Georgia team out. All right, so there you have it for that. That would be uh, last week and heading into this week. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to start talking about next week. Uh, the matchups are a little better than they were last week as far as the teams that are playing each other. We actually have some ranked matchups in here, but um, I don't think it's going to be as good of a week at the end of the week because, I mean, again, so many upsets. And and not only the upsets, but you had a bunch of field goal winning games uh, last week. It wasn't just the upsets, but it was, um, I remember Miami winning uh, with the last second field goal over over Georgia Tech. Um, Another nationally televised game was Texas A&M winning by a last-minute field goal over Florida. is, You know, those teams aren't quite as good as the other ones we mentioned so far. But, again, they were just good games across the board. Better matchups this week. I don't know that the games are going to be as close. Um, so I left the game of the week to Patrick. Um, he's got, of course, uh, game days going to Michigan-Penn State. And uh, I'll, I, I, this is what he has to say about the game, and he's going to give us a score prediction. You've got Michigan in Happy Valley versus Penn State. And I, I think Penn State's going to win this one. I do. But I think it's going to be closer than people think. And I don't think it's because Michigan's going to play well. I think there's a lot of weaknesses on that uh, Penn State offense that people are sort of ignoring because they're so obsessed with Saquon Barkley, who's a great player. And if you listened at the beginning of the, uh, of the season of Pat's interference, I picked him as my Heisman. You know, I liked him. I, I still like him. I think he's a great player. I think he's going to make a lot of noise um in the NFL but I'm not sure 
how that offense is when he's not in the ball game. You know, it, it just it, people seem to forget that Penn State was a play away from losing against Iowa on the road. And they're, it's great that they get Michigan at home, but I, like I said, I just think this game's going to be a little bit closer than people anticipate. Maybe I'm wrong. could be a blowout. If Michigan plays the way they did last week, Penn State will win by 30, and everybody will swear that they're the number, number one team in the nation. They will, and that's fine. Uh, Penn State and Wisconsin have got to meet at some point, and those are my two and four teams, respectively. Um, I, I've got Penn State in this one, but I'm going to go 27-10, and it's a lot closer than that score looks. All right, so there you have it. He's got a he's got Penn State in a game that people think are going to be closer. Um, I agree with him on the victor. I don't agree with him on the result. I think Penn State wins this one pretty handily. Um, they've been running the ball well. Now Michigan has a good defense, um, but they have struggled against balance attacks to this point of the season. Uh, they they're great at stopping the run, which doesn't uh, bode well for Saquon Barkley, but. Uh, Penn State's passing game has really been picking up. I think they got a lot of confidence from a last-minute win over Iowa, and they've been passing the ball a good bit better than they were in the beginning of the season, which has frankly hurt uh, Saquon Barkley's rushing yards. Um, not that he's out of the Heisman, but he's you know not getting as many yards as he was in the first couple games of the season because the passing game has been stepping up. Uh, Michigan's offense has been so bad. Wilton Spate went down. Michigan fans low-key rejoiced. Uh, O'Corn came in and has been arguably worse. Um, I think that this is going to be the game that Michigan actually makes a change to a third quarterback because I think Michigan's still holding on to hope that they have one loss and they can win out and make the playoff. I think after they lose this week, you kind of see a completely uh, Michigan kind of embrace this being a rebuilding year. I think Penn State wins this one by 17-ish points, maybe 20, 21. Um, Mostly late scores after they feel out Michigan. But I think at the end of the day, we look at this game and go, hey, Penn State pretty much dominated this team. Michigan's just really struggling with as much as they lost. Um, now that we've talked about the game of the week, I'm just going to kind of go down and give quick little quips on some of the other games we got. So um, Louisville, Florida State, we almost always talk about FSU uh, by way of just I kind of cover them here. They're an interesting team. They played Alabama at the beginning of the season. Uh, obviously, they're a powerhouse that's having – a big struggle fest. They're playing Louisville, another team that is really not showing a lot this year. Florida State's in a weird position, right? We've talked about it. They came in, they were hyped. They're obviously a very good team. They lost their quarterback. They kind of lost their spirit in that first game uh, once Francois, DeAndre Francois, the quarterback went down. They have to start a 170-pound true freshman uh, at quarterback. They lost Alvin Cook. Their defense looks bad because the offense can't get any yardage, can't get the defense off the field a little while, and they're playing an explosive offense with Louisville. But Louisville's had a really bad defense all year. I'm picking Louisville in this game. I hate to say it, but FSU's defense is going to struggle against Lamar Jackson if FSU's offense doesn't give them any help. And FSU's offense has not played well against bad defenses. They haven't capitalized against... They, 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 they scored 17 against Duke last week. I think that's all I need to say about the way they, they're playing down to every competition they have. They play scared. They play not to make mistakes, and that's hurt them. Um, so with that said, I pick Louisville. I think it'll be about 10-point win for Louisville, and things will just keep getting worse in Florida State, and they're just going to pretty much chalk this year up to a loss. They might not make a bowl this year. Uh, going down the list, another interesting game could be 
Oklahoma State, Texas. I think this is Oklahoma State's big rebound week. People have forgotten about them since TCU. If they can go out and beat Texas on the road better than Oklahoma just beat Texas, people will start talking about the Cowboys again. I, I'm taking Oklahoma State big in that one. Um, I think Wisconsin should beat the brakes off of Maryland. Not much to say with that one. Going down the list, Miami should stay undefeated this week against a team that just beat Clemson, Syracuse. But Miami's at home. Miami's played well at home in front of a very bare crowd. Um, I don't buy the Miami's a top 10 team in the country hype, but I think they'll remain in the top 10 at least through this week. Um, we talked about Tennessee, Alabama in the previous podcast. Virginia Tech, I believe, will beat North Carolina. Um, going down the list, is there anything else? Uh, LSU should beat Ole Miss, even though they're only a seven-point favorite. I think they gained a lot of confidence. That's an SEC matchup we always like to talk about. Auburn's going to rebound big against an Arkansas team that's about to get ready to fire Burt Bielema. Um, TCU will beat the brakes off of Kansas, and uh, that's about it. That's about it for the interesting games. If there are any big upsets, of course, we'll tackle them next week. Um, I'm going to keep wrapping up this podcast here. One more thing, we're going to kind of start opening week to week the Heisman discussion. Um, uh, so I'm going to start talking about the Heisman watch. Two guys at the top. Three, sorry, three guys are kind of at the top right now. Um, that would be Saquon Barkley, who was Norwood's pick. That would be Bryce Love, the running back at Stanford, who's been putting up insane numbers. And then you have Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield will be in this at the end of the year if they stay with one loss. If he gets Oklahoma to keep going with one loss, Baker Mayfield will be in New York. Um, he broke records last year with his efficiency. He's actually low-key doing even better with that this year. They lost an embarrassing game because their defense couldn't perform against um, Iowa State. People will forget that game if he gets them in with one loss. Now, with that said, I think the door is open. More so at this point of the season than any part of the year as we move into late October, early November for a dark horse that we're not thinking about at all to come over and take this thing over. There's nobody at the top that's really going, they're the lock. Think Derrick Henry two years ago. All right, this sounds like a Homer thing, but people weren't talking about him late October. It wasn't until November when he outperformed Leonard Fournette on a national stage that he took over first in the Heisman, and then he ran away with it, quite literally. So, some names I could mention. Norwood loves Damian Harris. I'm going to talk about him because, uh, because you know, we're probably going to talk about him as the season goes along. This is the homer talk. If he can start getting a little bit more carries in Alabama's game and some other big games, or if he just keeps popping off 10 yards to carry, maybe so if he has some big touchdowns. Alabama, I think, will need to play in some close games. Uh, him uh, and Jalen Hurts are kind of in that same boat. They're just going to need to play in a close game, which Alabama has not been doing. Another one. I don't think anybody's really talking about him. I think Nick Chubb at Georgia, right? Think Nick Chubb keeps you know getting a hundred yard game, hundred yard game, hundred yard game. He does it against Auburn. He goes in the SEC championship. If Nick Chubb carries a true freshman and a quarterback and uh, and Jake from State Farm, if he can carry that team, literally again to an upset of number one Alabama in the SEC championship game, I think his name could start creeping up. He's been having a great year. Uh, the touchdowns haven't been there to this point as much as you'd hope for a Heisman contender. Um, 
but I think it could pop up. Um, some other ones that I think could come in, again, based on what they keep doing, I think, and th- these are just insane dark horses. I'm, I'm spitballing here because I'm not picking a Heisman yet. Kenny Hill at TCU. If they stay undefeated, people will start talking. And this is just, you know, people that can get themselves in the top five and anything can happen. Um, if somebody from the Pac-12, like a Sam Darnold, can kind of rally the troops toward the end of the year, uh, maybe there and there. But I think at this point of the season, the top three should kind of remain sort of t- toward in the top three. If Bryce Love and Stanford had a couple of those wins earlier in the year, I think he'd be running away with it right now. At this point, I'm picking the field over those three. I don't know who it's going to be. I just think somebody's going to seize the stage, kind of like you saw from Derrick Henry a couple years ago. Somebody's going to come in and, and wipe us off our feet in November. I don't know who it is or what team, but somebody's going to start playing hot. Some team's going to start playing hot, and you're going to see them get up there, join the top three, and there should be a pretty good field, a stronger field than last year by the end of the season. So there we go. That's our wrap-up of last week's crazy week. we got a big one coming up this week. Um, I'm not going to waste any more of your time. I don't really have a uh, a, um, a sound-off today. I, that's something I always like to do with Norwood. There's no point in a sound-off if we can't play off of each other with it because it almost sounds like we're just complaining about something. So that was episode 17 of Pat's Interference. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, we apologize for... Uh, one, this being our first national podcast in a while, but two, the format of it. Obviously, we like having conversations. Um, this is hard to do without each other. We're making the best of uh, the situations we have as busy individuals uh, that both work in athletics media. Um, so, with that said, our normal stuff, you can find us on patsinterference.com. That's our website. That's a great place to go and listen to the podcast while you lay back. Uh, just click play on the Actually, I think the, the podcast auto-plays. You can just listen to it there. If you are on the go and you're not sitting in front of a laptop or desktop, you're with your phone via Bluetooth or headphones, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all great places. Just search Pat's Interference in those and leave us a review on iTunes if you can. If you got an iPhone and you're listening to us on iTunes, leave us that iTunes review, five stars preferably unless you don't think we deserve it, and then tell us why. Um, it helps us kind of change what we're doing. Uh, We want feedback from the listeners, obviously, and it kind of helps us grow our brand. That's it for Pat's Interference, Episode 17, uh, 2017, Year 3. When we come back next week, we'll be partners again. Can't wait for that, obviously, but uh, thank you for sticking if you've been around this long. Thank you for the people that listen. You help us do this. This is something that Patrick and I talked about all through college that we wanted to do. Then on a whim, we just said, why don't we do it? Now we're doing Pat's Interference. We're in our third year. Year 4 will be even bigger. But thanks for listening, everybody, and most importantly, Roll Tide.